I can remember after I returned to the Catholic faith in college that I wanted God to guide me in a way to get closer to Him. And one of the many things that He shared with me was that I needed to go to Mass. I didn't quite understand why, but because I recognized that this was God speaking to me and He wanted me to go, I went. Although I hadn't usually gone other than with my family at Christmas and Easter. So when I got there, I had no idea what I was doing or how Mass worked. I just kind of hid in the back and did the best I could to pretend like I knew what was going on. And I can remember after Mass, I was very confused and I was like, I don't know what just happened, but I'm glad that I was there. I'm glad that I'm trying. I'm glad that I'm following God as best as I am able. Now, after many times of going to Mass, obviously I started to understand more and more. And eventually, Uh, God called me to the priesthood, and eventually I responded to that and entered seminary. And once while I was in seminary, or while I was a seminarian, I was at a parish and participating in one of their discussion groups. And in that discussion group, the topic was the Mass. And at that point, having studied some things in the seminary, I had a pretty good textbook answer. But they were going around the group, and different people were saying different things about how they understood what the Mass was. And so one person would say, well, it's a gathering of the faithful. And another would say, well, it's a way to get closer to God. And another would say, it's a shared meal together. Well, the Mass is much more than any of those things. And we can do all of those things without them being Mass. We can gather together and talk about anything we want. We can gather together. We can talk about Jesus. That doesn't make it Mass. We can read sacred scripture and have a Bible study, but that's not Mass either. We can sing a bunch of songs about Jesus and how much he loves us, but if that's all we're doing, that's not Mass either. We can get together and have some food. We can have a barbecue and share that in common. But that's not Mass either. So we might wonder then, well, what actually is the Mass? What makes it different? What makes it unique? Why does God want us to be here? And what are we supposed to do while we are here? We get some idea of what the Mass is and what it's like from our Gospel passage. Maybe you've recognized it. Maybe you've seen it in the reading. But we have the basic outline of Mass in this passage. It starts with the gathering of the disciples, and they're talking about Jesus. And we know from the Gospel of Matthew, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in their midst. And so Jesus appears. He is with them. And they talk to Jesus. That's a kind of prayer. So they're talking to Jesus, telling him about these things. And then Jesus explains the scriptures to them. He's quoting scripture. He's telling them what it means. That, like Mass, is the Liturgy of the Word. Again, if we stop there, though, it's not Mass. There has to be more. It's just the beginning. All of that is to prepare them for what makes Mass unique and different. After Jesus goes through this explanation, there's a desire in their hearts to be close to Jesus. There's a desire for Him to stay with them. And Jesus does. And when they go into the house... And he's at table. He took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. 
I hope that sounds familiar. Because there's very similar words used in the Gospels to explain what happened at the Last Supper. That Jesus took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. It's also very similar language to what we're about to hear later on in this Mass. And so, this is the moment in which it makes it actually Mass. This blessing is the consecration. Jesus is converting bread and wine into his very self. And then once he's done that, once he's made himself present, then they know who he is. They recognize him. They see him. And they're overjoyed because they've encountered the risen Lord in the celebration of the Mass. And what do they do? With that joy that they're filled with, with that grace that they've received in the celebration, they go out and they share the good news. Remember, they told Jesus to stay with them in uh, Emmaus because it was late and the day is almost over. And so it's not really, you know, kind of the time to be traveling. And what do they do? They run back to Jerusalem, seven miles, to share the good news with everybody else. At the end of every Mass, we have the dismissal. Go in peace, or go forth, the Mass is ended. We're being instructed to take what we've received and share it with the world. We also hear at the very end, He was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. That's a phrase used in the New Testament to refer to the celebration of the Mass. And it isn't Mass without the consecration, bread and wine becoming Jesus Christ. But what is it essentially? So the consecration is necessary, but what is that? What is happening at that moment? We are transcending time and space and entering into the mysterious sacrifice of Christ on the cross. If we think about the Last Supper, Jesus had the consecration. He's converting the Passover meal into the first Mass. The Passover meal has four chalices. The third one becomes his precious blood. And then he tells them that he's not going to drink again until the coming of God's kingdom. He didn't finish the celebration. Why? Because it was still going. The next time we hear that Jesus drinks wine is while he's on the cross. He receives the precious blood. I mean, he receives the wine on a sponge. And then afterwards he says, it is finished. The fourth cup is the cup of consummation. Another translation for what Jesus said is, it is consummated. It is completed. It is finished. And so the Mass is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, made present to us through sacramental signs at the altar. And I gave that kind of answer to that discussion group, that it really is a sacrifice. And we're entering into that mysterious sacrifice from long ago, transcending time and space, reaching back to that moment, so that the grace of that moment can be applied to us today. And everyone looked at me like, what are you talking about? And that's understandable, because how often do we even think about or hear that the sacrifice of the Mass, or that the Mass is the sacrifice of Christ? Probably, a lot of times, we just don't think about it. But if we listen, as the Mass continues, especially to Eucharistic Prayer 1, we'll hear time and time again, 
offering, oblation, sacrifice. Because that's what the Mass is. In fact, there's a point in the Mass where I say, and this is what I skipped to earlier, when I say, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Notice I said, my sacrifice and yours. So, we can't have Mass without a ministerial priest, someone to stand in persona Christi, in the person of Christ, to speak the words of Christ at the altar, so that Christ is offering the sacrifice of himself, so that Christ becomes present in the Eucharist, so that Christ, who is priest and victim, is making the offering. But there's also the offering of everyone else who's present. My sacrifice and yours. What is your sacrifice? Did you know you're supposed to be offering sacrifice as part of this Mass? That it's not just the priest? Many people have no idea that that's actually what they're supposed to be doing at Mass, is offering their sacrifice. And what, what it is that you offer is something that nobody else in the world can possibly offer. What it is that you offer is yourself. What it is that you offer is Christ alive in your soul. What it is that you offer is all your friends, all your family, all your co-workers, everyone you know, all your joys, all your sorrows, all your dreams, all your hopes, all your thoughts, all that you have and all that you are. You offer in union with Christ in the Eucharist, being offered to the Heavenly Father with the Holy Spirit. And what happens? Remember the response that you should have to that part of the Mass. After I say, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Everyone responds. Of course, I blank on that now. <laughs> uh, may the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Yeah, see, I don't usually say that part. <laughs> But notice, it's, we're offering this for the glory of God, because he tells us to, but then we're also offering it for the good of the church, for all of ourselves. So this offering that we're all making is for God's glory, but for our good. As God, through the priest, transforms things at the altar, all the things that we offer in union with that is also going to be transformed, is also going to be blessed. The pains, the sorrows, God will pour his grace upon that. The joys, he'll increase them. When we offer these things to God, he's going to improve it and make it better. But there's nobody else in the world who has your life. Only you do. And so your offering in union with the sacrifice of Christ in the Eucharist is something only that you can make. And when we're offering all of our friends and all of our family members and everyone that we know and all of our co-workers... The grace God wants to give them through you is unique. It's special. And when we don't participate well, when we don't come to Mass, when we choose to do something else, those graces God wants to give to everyone else through you and the graces He wants to give to you aren't going to be given. It is a great honor and privilege 
to be able to be a minister of Christ, to be able to be baptized and part of this special priesthood. All of you are members of the body of Christ, and the whole Christ is to be offered to the Heavenly Father in union with the Holy Spirit. But nobody can make your offering except you. And so, this is one of the reasons why the church tells us we have to be here every Sunday and every Holy Day of Obligation to make this offering. This is one of the reasons why we're called to be present even though we don't have to receive Holy Communion. It's a common misconception. I would go to classrooms and I would ask the students, why do we go to Mass? And a popular answer was to receive Holy Communion. And then I would say, well... We can bring communion to the sick in the hospital or at their homes, and that's not Mass. And then they would all be stumped. Like, I have no idea then what Mass is. But the church tells us that we only have to receive communion once a year. Yet we are to be present at Mass every Sunday and every holy day. Because we're offering the sacrifice. Yes, we can receive Holy Communion. And if we're in a state of grace, we should. But that's not the primary purpose of Mass. And so while we're here to celebrate the Mass, it's important for all of us to participate in that offering. Because only you can offer your life, your friends, your family, your hopes, your dreams, all that you have and all that you are, and everyone that you know, so that God can pour His grace upon it all and bring about a transformation of the whole world. So let's take a moment to prepare ourselves for encountering our Lord and uniting our sacrifice with His in the Most Holy Eucharist.